A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. It's the Innovation Podcast with Mark Reed Edwards and Garnett Harriman. Let's start the show. Hi, it's Mark, and I've got Garnett here. How you doing, Garnett? Hey, Mark. How you doing? Doing pretty well. I'm excited. We have Bruno Aguiar of ESL with us to discuss esports, something that we've talked about a little bit before. And Garnett, I know this is an interview you've been looking forward to, so I'll let you take it away. Super excited. Hi, guys. Thanks for inviting. Thanks for being here, Bruno. So, Bruno, you have an interesting background in both big data and marketing. Can you just tell us a little bit more about your career path and, and then maybe we'll, we'll pick up with esports in general and, you know, the illustrious history of Turtle and ESL. What's your background? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I would say that I'm above all, I'm a marketeer. I mean, the, the big data kind of side of it, it really came, came on a bit, a bit later because nowadays that's kind of essential for the, for the marketing job, but I'm a marketing executive. Uh, I started my career in advertising, actually, back in Portugal. And so the first years of my career was all about marketing communication and you know, really kind of creating uh, fun concepts and, and, and driving the, everything that is related with the brand communication. So then later on, I, I kind of moved more to the commercial side. So I became kind of more interested on the commercial side, not just purely communication. And so I decided to, to go abroad and I did an MBA uh, uh, in Rotterdam School of Management. And after that, with, with, my, with my MBA, I, I joined a, a kind of a fast-growing company at the time called TomTom, Tom, uh, Satellite Navigation. Yep, yep. Uh, at the time when, when it was not on every single phone. So that was something, you know, kind of advanced tech- from a technology point of view. And then it was really... Cutting edge. Cutting edge. It was really, really, really interesting um, because it's, I would say even nowadays, it's, it's, it's improving a lot, uh, but in a completely different logic. Sure. But so it was a very interesting experience. And then uh, um, I worked again a bit in advertising, this time in London. So I moved again for another country, all in Europe, but another country where I, I really kind of uh, uh, dig deep on everything that was the online experience of, of advertising. So we were, we were, you know, kind of starting with everything that is related with like apps and, and, and all the software on the, phone, on the phones and then the use of, I don't know, email campaign and website and having everything integrated. And I work for, for really interesting clients like uh, British Airways and British Telecom. And then I moved to Germany for Vodafone, where I've worked nine years. 
all in marketing functions pretty much going from from kind of a, a brand manager all the way to kind of head of uh, propositions with some experience in the middle when it comes to transformation and, and digital uh, integration which kind of a, maybe that was the, the intro to my kind of big data knowledge and, and how I got really interested with that. Yeah. And finally, to Vodafone, I decided to do something completely different and join ESL, you know, really interesting, uh, really interesting uh, market, really interesting industry. I was interested as personally interested. I had friends already in the industry. And, and I decided to move away from, from telecoms and, and, and join uh, esports and, and, and media in general. So that's kind of like my story, and that's my experience. And I think um, part of the reason we're excited to have you here, we'll pick this thread up later on in the in the list of questions, is it's I think that your your career as it aligns with this moment in time uh, with the development of esports and what's happening is very much a microcosm of of some of the things that we see happening in the uh, in the market in general, and we'll we'll pick that up later. Sure. But basically around marketing and branding and so okay you know the, the provenance of this particular podcast owes a debt to what mark has done with his previous podcast which is called confessions of a marketer <laughs> and so it's great it's great that you have that great that you have that perspective and that this is such an exciting time from a marketing and brand development standpoint within esports in general oh, totally. so with that said can you well, let's take a step back and try to set the stage for you know some of our listeners who are not esports experts or practitioners. What's the difference between esports versus real sports? <laughs> well, that's a very good question. So, I mean, in a nutshell, we don't really see a difference. Uh, that's a reality. I mean, so we see esports as a real sport, and, and that's that's because you know we have a real competitive environment. There are rules and regulations in place. It kind of requires a mental and motoric abilities uh, from the top level players. I mean, we get to a point where we have a million of viewers, we have full stadiums with fans cheering for their favorite teams. So all of that is, you know, it's like real sports. Now, obviously that, uh, you know, it's, I would say, less physical than what people usually think when, when they think of sports. But I mean, if you if you consider darts and chess and golf sports, then there's no reason why esports is not a sport. So, or a real sport, let's put it that way. And I think that we we already seeing some countries are accepting esports as a real sport. Uh, you know, France, Korea, Russia, Canada, also here in Germany. So I think it, it's just a matter of time until this perception is changed and and, and people accept uh, esports as a real sport. So I believe I don't know if you know this, Bruno, but um, yeah. Mark has a compound of, of land. And it <laughs> Stop is, it. Um, he's declared it a sovereign state. And I think the sovereign state of Mark Reed Edwards has already accepted esports as a, as a, as a legitimate pro sport. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> that not being the case, nonetheless, I do have uh, I do have a son who plays a lot of esports. And I tell you, when he does a race, over the course of an afternoon, he is wiped out like he did a real one. So the racing is very similar, apart from taking the G's that you get when you're act actually out in a car, is is very comparable, I think, to the real thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, okay, and, and when you talk about racing, there's you know there's an, an actual world comparison, and we talk about FIFA, there's football, all that, but 
On top of that, there are a bunch of other games which don't have like a real-world comparison, uh, such as Dota 2 or CSGO. And those games, I mean, the skills required to be a top player in those games are unbelievable. I mean, it really requires training. Right. It requires a mental capacity, uh, you know, just concentration levels, all of that. And I mean, nowadays, the top players, they really, they really follow the same logic of uh, uh, what you would consider a sportsman. So in terms of you know, caring nutrition, their mental health, training, all. So it, it, they are sports people, basically. And I I, in fact, you know, a really good F1 driver uses a simulator quite a bit too. So, oh yeah. So they kind of dabble in the esports world as well. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I mean, the, the development of the technology and the way the, the technology is allowing us to, specifically for, for those games, to be so close to the real thing really really pushes anyone that is playing those games to a, a level that is almost like a real thing but again i would yeah. there's the, all the other games also uh, you know they, they they really require to be a top player you really need to be at the top of your level on and in every aspect yeah yeah if you've recovered from covid19 or unknowingly been exposed to it you may have antibodies that could help covid19 patients donate blood and receive testing for covid19 antibodies Visit Vitalant.org today. And so it's not that you're comparing esports to real sport. It sounds like it sounds like that's sort of a foregone conclusion. I mean, it, really, what I think what this question you know might be about is esports versus real pro sports and pro sports leagues and that sort of stuff. And and if that's if that's a reasonable clarification, then you know there's some other points of comparison that might be worth might be interesting to unpack a little bit. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a good point. I mean, definitely, you know, if, if you consider actually how esports is, is becoming professionalized, and, and I mean, just looking at the prize money of the events uh, and, and the infrastructure that the teams have, I would say, yeah, it's it's very much on par with other pro sports, definitely. Well, let's, let's look at this one thing that I'm sort of intellectually fascinated by. So nobody would ever challenge that, you know, basketball or football or, or even let's just say esports right you know there is there's some physical and and definitely you know either more or less mental skill involved right. so that, that's that's not even worth challenging really right but what i'm curious about is the entertainment value and like the sort of you know treating the the sports spectacle as entertainment and using the pro sports league concept to to sort of create and disseminate the entertainment i mean, I mean fundamentally esports are doing the same thing right right yeah absolutely i, I mean i i okay let's, let's put it this way so entertainment really depends on the height of the beholder in terms of what what gets you going what do you like what are your interests and all that kind of what is your sure, sure. whether you fit in and what we see is that uh, nowadays, for the millennials and, and like the, the younger crowd, like the, I would say below 45 generation, I mean, we're talking about digital natives. We're talking about people who grew up with internet, being online. And so for those, the games are really the number one entertainment. It's not It's not the TV show. That's, that, that's exactly what I, yeah, I think, so, I think that's exactly So for those accurate. guys, yep. yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that's, and so, when you get to the point where you play the game and you are involved, I mean, the same way that I, I also played football with my friends outside, and so I can recognize the skills of uh, Ronaldo or Messi. When I play the games, I also kind of learn enough 
to understand the challenges of the game and to appreciate how the top players are playing the same game that I can play. And so the entertainment will come from that understanding. And so, yeah, that's why it's normal that uh, uh, kind of digital natives less than 45 years old, for example, are really see that as a, or with an entertaining entertainment value that for an older generation, probably they, they don't get. They just, you know, why is this fun to watch? Let's put it that way, which, which I get. If you don't play it, it's, it's harder to, to understand the choir and follow the storyline. And you, the, uh, another aspect that you threw out earlier, I, w- I would l- like to unpack a little bit because I've seen some funny data points around it, is this whole notion of training and infrastructure and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So I have a, a colleague who is a senior executive at VMware, and, which is owned by Dell, and Dell also owns Alienware. And Alienware is a, a big thing in, in your world, in esports. Yeah. And so I learned very recently and, and have a standing invite to go visit. <laughs> <laughs> Alienware, has, Alienware has its own top secret training camp for, yep. for the teams that they sponsor. And they, their training camp is in Santa Monica. And, you know, Santa Monica is a beautiful, uh, by the way, uh, Mark, it's l- literally like five blocks from James's office, from the office. Oh, okay. So Santa Monica, if, if you've never been there, Bruno, is, you know, sunny and yeah. like lovely and beachy and surf culture and all. It's, it's very outdoorsy. And, and there's this building where, where the Alienware training camp is. And it's, you know, it's dark and, sem- you know, it's just filled with machines. And like the only thing that's not like a, a gaming console or some other thing is literally the cafeteria. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, yeah. and, and by the way, I, that they, I literally had to get security clearance to get the approval to go see this thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I have to say, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because, I mean, <laughs> now, <laughs> because no, that the, the reality is, I mean, I'm, that is not a, a unique case. I mean, there, is, there are a lot of teams which are extremely professionalized to that extent. I mean, these guys, they really need to practice like eight hours a day. They need to do like game strategies they have coaches they have they have uh, nutrition inside sure. so i mean it's really it's really a team you know the same way that the, the, the football team will go and practice every day and then they play on foot and by the way sorry i'm european football soccer <laughs> so no, it's okay. they go and practice every day and then they play on sundays but it's the same thing with these players i mean they have to practice every day and and yeah it's just it's it's that professional so the other thing I want to unpack a little bit, and I think this maybe we'll pick this this next piece up later at the very end. You know, Mark Mark always wants to to know about the future of anything that we're you know and and what your what your predictions are. I think it's going to come up again later. Okay. But I you know I'm continuing down this comparison with pro sports leagues, right? Mm-hmm. So what about betting? Is betting a thing for esports? Is it, is it even legal? I'm not. I, I, what's the state of betting in esports? Yeah, well, I mean, betting is well it is a thing as as in uh, because of the size of esports, it's becoming or it gathered more more interest. But I mean, we're actually ESL. You know, it's we're pretty much a, a leader in the industry, and, and, of course. and as part of being a leader in the industry, we are or we aim to be as well a force for for integrity. And we've with founding members of the, of something called ESIC, which is kind of a coalition for anti-doping, anti-corruption anti-match fixing and so 
betting is something that we take seriously. There is still a bit of a lack of regulation, not much from a so from an esports perspective, but but from a, a, a country perspective. So the reality is, contrary to other championships, the esports become because it's kind of it's a digital it's a digital environment. We don't have borders the same way that other sports have. So in that sense, there is some gaps when it comes to you know being in compliance with all the laws of different countries. I mean, we have, you know, if we have uh, ESL1 in New York, and then we have an ESL1 in Cologne, and then we have an ESL1 in Mumbai, and then, you know, so there's all these places, all these different countries around the world, and with each one of them with their kind of a unique set of laws that we, we, we need to comply uh, when it comes to, to, to betting. So it's still kind of a... Um, it's a, a turvy picture because there we, we're trying to create that organization that kind of regulates from a kind of a worldwide perspective, but we, we're not there yet. All right, we have two more episodes with Bruno coming up. Next time, we're back with part two of our chat as we explore more about betting and esports, the background of ESL, the key innovations in ESL, and how brands are seeing the value of esports. That's next time. In a couple of weeks, we talk more about the esports landscape, the future investments that ESL is making, data, of course, and lots more. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining Garnett and Mark on the Innovation Podcast. Visit innovationpodcast.co to subscribe and listen to other episodes. You stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains, spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs. Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com.